You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, uh, we have a wonderful guest lined up today. I want to take uh, this opportunity to introduce uh, Dr. Patrick Woke. He's a passionate serial strategic entrepreneur. And Patrick, we're going to have to talk about a serial strategic entrepreneur. Hadn't seen that one. Uh, idea creator and thought leader who is, he's driven to build next generation tools for entrepreneurs, uh, which I think that's great. And in his capacity, in his current position, or as I like to call it, our day job, he's the director of the McNair Institute for Entrepreneurism and free enterprise. Yay for free enterprise. That's great. At the University of St. Thomas. Uh, he also spends time working uh, with SCORE. Uh, many of our listeners will be aware of that organization uh, doing mentoring and also the Culture Enterprise uh, Entrepreneurship Board, excuse me. So Patrick, you got over 25 years of experience in global startups, uh, family business acquisitions, nonprofit uh, corporation build outs and, and just I mean, you've lived all over the world. I find it so intriguing when I went, uh, read your, uh, your bio of all the different things you, you've done. And along the way, you, you achieved a doctor in philosophy, uh, master's in business. I mean, you're well-educated. Uh, you lived in China for 14 years, uh, which I'd like to touch on that. Obviously, China is part of big business and small business today. So it's a it's a real topical uh, thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've lived in some other places uh, in Mexico, and I'm sure some others that are not even on the bio. But all that said, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you very much, Rick. And I'm very, uh, very honored to be here. You know, um, it's, uh, you know, we and I were talking about earlier on. I mean, we moved here over the last year to Houston. You know, I'm a transplant. And I just wanted to tell you, I absolutely love it. I think this, this is a great town to be in. And, and as uh, you and I were talking about earlier, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be in business, you're gonna find opportunity. You're gonna be an entrepreneur. I think this, this is one of the best cities, if not in, in Texas, maybe even the United States. And I even think along with you were thinking, Rick, maybe even the world, this is a great city to be an entrepreneur. And so to be, that you know to be a director over at the McNair Center, the head up of the entrepreneur and the free enterprise, it's a real blessing to be there, and you know to have the opportunity to work with such young entrepreneurs. Rick, you'd be blown away to see some of the, the some of the people there. They're coming into my office. They're 19, 20 years old with disruptive ideas, disruptive technology. I just heard one the other day. They're disrupting the crayon industry. I was like, crayons. What's that all about? And I was like, you know, I, had, I didn't think about it. And she laid it all out. And I'm like, I, I was blown away. It was like listening to the Stephen Jobs of the crayons, you know. And I was like, so I, we are really blessed to be here in Houston. I'm very lucky to, to be a part of this great community. You know, evidence of that is it, it, in, in just the, the academics. I mean, you have the University of Houston School of Entrepreneurship. You've got the program at Rice University. Uh, their annual business competition that's worldwide, and now St. Thomas. I mean, and then you and I talked about the community, Houston Community College uh, has programs, uh, has some of my fellow Silver Foxes involved as 
entrepreneurship uh, in uh, entrepreneur in residence to be available uh, on a regular basis to mentor people. Uh, so now all we need is all the people with the good ideas about crayons and all those other things because they got plenty of folks here to help them get it, you know, see it through to fruition if they've got a good idea. Absolutely. And I, I would even um, uh, give a shout out to HCC. You know, they recently won the most entrepreneurial um, community college in the United States. Right. Which is, you know, when you think about all the community colleges and all the, the, the choices that could be made, that says a lot about HCC and about this community. So I 100% agree with you. We've got a lot of great programs out there. Um, and I think to a lot of people who look at it, they say, well, you know, aren't they overlapping? Aren't they, you know, are, are they really serving, you know, what's going on? And I would say that we have, there's enough differential and there's enough diversity. And I think that's one of the things you're hitting on there, Rick, diversity that each one of these programs really serves um, their individual communities. And, you know, one of the things that we, I think we, we could, you know, I think we're starting to look at more and more is how do we intertwine those programs together and bring it to the next level, bring it to the next level. And I, I my head off to Ravi uh, Brembaum who's over at HCC who I work with all the time. And him and I have been working on this veterans entrepreneurship program. Uh, that's a joint venture between St. Thomas and HCC. Um, we are, we're bringing in the next level of veterans programs or veterans coming into uh, Houston to help them build their businesses, help them build out the next ventures. And then at the end of this developmental program we're doing for four or five months, we're doing a competition sponsored by the McNair Center um, to give them the seed funding, give them the ex next education to take their business to the growth phase, to the expansion phase, reach that product market fit that we're all searching for in our business. So I think, I think you're right. We have a lot of great programs out there. Um, you know, we're trying, and I think we're coming to the next level. Where we're bringing the programs together. And I think once we do that, um, you know, there, there's, there's no limit, you know, like we're, we've got NASA, you know, doing the, 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 the Mars shot. I mean, Houston's probably going to go off to Jupiter, you know, we're, we're that great. I mean, and I think that's one of the things that I'm really excited about when I come here as well. You know, that's great news for someone like me, as I mentioned before we started the program today, that I was born here uh, too many years ago to really want to recount. But uh, there's always been a concern, at least for the last 30, 40 years, that we're so dependent on the petroleum industry. Mm. And we all know where there's, you know, the controversy and climate change and all that. Uh, but there is sounds like real potential uh, for small business entrepreneurship, whatnot, to fill some of the loss that will occur over time in jobs and opportunities. And that's good news for Houston uh, and the surrounding area. And I, uh, that's a great point to bring up. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of us, when we look at industries, right, we say, you know, well, this industry is going down or this one's going up. Um, I think one of the things I like to do, I don't necessarily look, because I used to be a, a trader back when my, another generation ago, not even on my resume, I worked for Bear Stearns when I first came out of school. And one of my mentors, the first thing he, he taught me, he says, you know, markets go up and down, but you got to bet on people, right? He says, if you watch people and what they do, then you'll know what's going to happen next. And, you know, and one of the great things we have here is I think Houston, it matters who you ask, but Houston is now becoming the number one city for veterans. 
and in, in regard to overall population and in regard to growth. And that to me is a great statement, a great opportunity because these veterans bring a lot of experience from around the world. They bring a lot of um, you know, support from the, from the government and from their, their networks. And I think you know, that's one of the things that we're trying to tap in with the current program we're doing is bring them to the next level. So it's those type of people, those type of programs that are coming into Houston that, that I think you know, will fill, I guess, fill that gap you're talking about with oil. But I think that that social capital, those innovative ideas coming from all everywhere around the world, I think that's a, a great potential to kind of, you know, take us, you know, I don't want to say fill the gap because I don't think, I don't think we're, we're going back. I think it just take us to the next level. I always like to say, bring us to the next level to where, where we can go. Right. Um, and I think you're starting to see it also. Of course, we have a great healthcare industry. McNair, of course, has invested a lot into the Baylor and other, other institutes. And I think we're seeing more and more diversity. Um, uh, oil industry, I think, you know, they've also made a lot of investments in the green uh, green field, and they will continue to do that. And I think a lot of us, you know, as we get older, you, you know, we're we know we have to change, and the oil industry knows, of course, they're going to have to change a little bit too. So I think I think Houston, even though we may see where our roots come from, I think we may look back 50 years from today, and we may see, you know, where our roots are going to be very different. We're going to be a different plant planted trees somewhere else. And I think that's where we should be going, so. Yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense. And for me, uh, it's exciting because it spells opportunity for so many people yeah. uh, in the future. Let's backtrack a little bit time-wise on your personal timeline. Uh, you've been involved, as I briefly touched on in the introduction, in a, in a lot of aspects of business. Mm -hmm. uh, you started in, a, I guess, a family business uh, why don't you just take a minute or two and kind of give us your history as far as involvement, hands-on in business? Uh, that's, those are very good questions. And I think like you were talking a little bit earlier about your, your father having a business. And one of the things that I was growing up, um, you know, looking up to my father, you know, he was running his business. Um, you know, they, there was always this, in, I think, intention. I think all fathers do this. There's always this intention that they want their son to take over, right? And, you know, I was, uh, uh, I remember I got a call from my daddy and he says to me, he says, you know, I'm thinking about going out and he says, you know, if you're interested, now's the time to take it over. Now I'm 25 years old and I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know nothing, you know, I know less than nothing. Um, I'm working on wall street and I think I know how to sell stuff. That's about it. And so I come back and, um, I got, uh, uh, you know, uh, I got into, uh, I was married at the time, later on I got divorced. Um, but, you know, I, I thought, you know, this was a good chance in regard to stability and to, in regard to having something like building a future. Um, it's a place where I grew up. And so I, I took that over and, um, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I think all, all businesses, you know, Rick, they're a blessing and a curse. Some, some days it's great. You're, it's gravy and other days you're wondering why you ever got into it, right? And uh, I remember I took over the, the, the first day and I'm looking over the books, you know, uh, I didn't have any of those, back then I didn't have any of those fancy MBAs or anything. I had uh, just the smarts and knowledge. And I looked at the numbers, you know, on the books and they didn't quite add up too well. And I went to my dad and my dad says, yeah, we're not doing so well. And I said, you know, but you're young, you can work it out. <laughs> It's like, well, that, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, yeah. So, 
we 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 put about seven years and turned around that business. It was in the uh, we did insurance and then we got into financing. But I tell you, um, one of the things, Rick, and you know this, uh, you see, you live in a big town and you live into into a smaller area nowadays. Um, you know, small towns when things start going bad, everyone hears about it, right? And when you're doing really really well, everyone wants to kind of knock you a little bit. You know, it's, you, there's no win, you know. But luckily, you know, I had, people knew me and, and they knew the situation we're going through and people were relatively helpful. They wanted to come out, help, make sure that the agency continued and the such. And so we, we spent a lot of time, you know, I don't know if any of your listeners ever slept underneath their desk, but I sure did. Um, there, were, there were three or four months there. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't leave the office ever. Um, but, you know, like any business, I'm sure, you know, as after you've gone through COVID, after you've gone through the 2008, I think we all still remember that with some fear. So, um, you know, you, you get stronger, you get wiser uh, for it. And uh, I think that was one of the great things is, you know, my daddy, um, you know, he wasn't around a lot, but one of the things he gave me was that first taste of running my business, you know, and I think, um, no matter if I did right or wrong, we still, you know, the business got turned around. We made money on it. We actually had, eventually had to sell it, but we actually turned it around, didn't have to file or anything. And, um, it, you know, it really, it was a gift from God. You know, um, you, you, when you look at those events in your life, you may have not liked it when you went through it, it may have been tough, um, you know, military, uh, losing a business, losing a spouse. Um, but you come out the other side and you just realize how much you learned and how much you grew from it. And, uh, you know, I was uh, 30, 30, 31 when we sold the business. So it was like uh, six years later. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was the king of the world. You know, I was like, now I know how to run a business, know how to turn things around. You know, I'm 31 years old, you know, and all, all the other kids I, I know at school, uh, they're all going to get their master's and that they never even worked. Most of them didn't even work by then. And I already sold my first business. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, that part of my earlier life, my business career was kind of a, um, kind of a unique one, but it made me really appreciate, um, you know, we were, I was out in Conroe the other day and I was talking to you about, you know, um, a lot of the challenges of running a small business nowadays is not easy, especially in a smaller town. Um, a lot of the big towns still taking people away, you know, being more attractive and for one reason or another. Um, hopefully COVID has changed that a little bit. Maybe the dynamics have changed a little bit up. Um, but I, you know, I'm always appreciative and always amazed by the strength and uh, the belief of uh, the, the small business owner. Um, you know, as, as growing up in one, seeing my father as being one for seven years. Um, and that's one of the reasons I joined SCORE, you know. Um, you're with Silver Foxes. And, you know, it, one of the things that when you run a business, you want to give back, you, you, you just, you love when people, you see that effort, what people are doing, and you want to be a part of it, you know, so. Well, you know, Patrick, you, you, you learned uh, from the get-go, it kind of reminds me of the first business I owned that I got involved in when I was 30, because uh, I left the family business, we sold the most of the assets that I was managing, there was still a core business there. And so it gave me an opportunity to strike out and, and become that serial entrepreneur. But 
you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're at the first uh, break point. We need to take a commercial break now. And uh, if you would stay with us, Patrick, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about China, uh, maybe get your quick perspective on business and maybe the future, uh, not just for big business, but small business as well. So if you'll stick around and ladies and gentlemen, please stay with us and we'll be right back with you. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Well, you're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schisler. I'm your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor. And we're having, I think, a great conversation with Patrick Woke. Patrick is the head, if you will, or director of the McNair Center for Entrepreneurship and Free Enterprises. And uh, he also has a great history in business. Uh, we went to the break. I promise, folks, Patrick, we'd come back and talk a little bit about China. I mean, China's in the news every day, probably rightly so, uh, because it's one of the two or three biggest countries as far as business is concerned in the world. Um, you spent 14 years in China. What did you learn about the Chinese as far as being business people? That's a very good question and, and uh, a very, very complicated. And I think we could probably fill multiple seg segments uh, of that. But I, I, would, um, I would say to you in the simplest form that uh, many Chinese, the way they see the world and the way they live their lives are very similar to the way that people live in, in a small town. Um, they're relatively conservative um, in regard to finances. Um, they, they like to keep their own uh, space. You know, they're very conscientious of, of where they're at and their neighbors. Um, they're very dedicated to their families. Um, and they're in China, family is not just important, it's the only thing that's important. And, um, and they also, there is kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, this con the conservatism also goes off to the point of like starting a business, you know, in China, maybe a little bit. And what the one of the divergences between China and America is in China, if you uh, if your business fails, okay, that black the black mark follows you for life, okay. 
Whereas, um, and, and this is similar to a small town. Don't get me wrong. This is similar, Rick. You know this. If you fail in your small town, right, no one's going to forget it, right? And there's <laughs> people are going to remind you. They're going to be at the bar 20 years from now telling you about how you failed. But I think there's still, you know, our laws and our um, viewpoint is still flexible enough that we're willing to give people a second chance, right? I th and I think that's where there is a divergence. And because of that divergence in regard to personality, people are, even though we see Chinese people as being business owners, and we, we kind of see a lot of this, like they have all these companies and they're all kind of taking our jobs. Um, the average Chinese are very risk adverse, probably more risk adverse than you and I. Um, the average business, Chinese business owner is typically more risk adverse than you are, than American business owners. And because of that, um, they typically, not always, but they typically wait for government support or they have government support behind them before they're willing to take a lot of risk. Um, the one thing I have absolute respect for is the American entrepreneur, you know, willing to go, like myself, willing to go to a country. He doesn't speak the language, doesn't know the culture, doesn't even like the food, but willing to set up a business, right? Um, and I, it wasn't just me, but I've seen this all across the world this American spirit. Um, and, and it's funny because we show our American spirit in the world. I mean, everywhere you go in the world, you see American entrepreneurs everywhere, okay? Um, and they adapt to the local culture, but you see that spirit of willing to take a risk. And I think um, one of the things that has um, confused me over the years is it seems to me when I talk to some of the younger people nowadays, um, they're less willing to take risks like I was at their age. And the Chinese who used to be more risky, more, more uh, what's called scared of taking risks are now more willing, the younger people are more willing to take the, to, to take the leap. So um, that's one of the things I hope to change the you know, work I'm changing at the McNair Center. But it's one of the things that I've seen time and time again. Um, when I was in China, I have to tell you, um, you know, the average Chinese person, they don't really care about politics. You know, I think, I think you, you could probably say this, the same true about, uh, about the average American. You know, we're, we, we chat about it at the coffee clutch, you know, and, you know, just that maybe, maybe jabbing our friend a little bit. Um, but, you know, to us, that's, that's Washington, DC. That's, that's kind of farther away. Um, the average Chinese person, they don't, they don't really care. I mean, government is very overt in their lives. It controls a lot of their lives. But they're not very, um, you know, they don't dislike America or they don't dislike, you know, um, uh, Russia or whatever, just because our government doesn't like them. It's not, they don't, they don't care, you know, to them, their family is most important. Can they, like, like a small town, can they put food on the table? Can they, you know, can they get a nice uh, house over their head? You know, can, you know, can their kids get ahead and, you know, to the next generation? That's all they care about. And so... Uh, you know, when I look at and when I hear about demonization about, and from the Chinese side, because of course I understand Mandarin and from the American, it's like, you know, I don't understand why we're demonizing each other. We're, we're relatively, in many cases, very similar to each other. It's just maybe we kind of look, you know, look different with each other and kind of, you know, don't speak the same languages, but we have uh, very similar backgrounds. And um, that was one of the things I did. I, I love doing business in China is because, um, you know, growing up in a small town like you and I, Rick, or you grew up in Houston, but you moved to uh, Conroe, 
um, is uh, I knew, understood a lot of the challenges they were going through. I understood a lot of it. And I think that's one of the things that we, um, you know, in China and in, in Europe and even most of Asia and even in Mexico, a lot of students are brought up, a lot of younger people are brought up that you can build companies global now from the, from the get-go. They're called born global. And so a lot of students, a lot of younger fellows, let's call them younger fellows, they're, they're not afraid to come and sell and selling stuff in the United States, selling stuff in Mexico, selling stuff you know, in Africa. And that to me, that should be our spirit. That should be the American spirit that I grew up with that we should not be afraid to go to China, to go to Mexico, to go to, to, to Canada. I mean, that's, that's our spirit. Why, why do I see this in China, right? And so, um, you know, I, I really have a deep respect for what they're doing nowadays. A lot of the young, young kids going global. I think we need, Rick, we need to start, um, I, you know, this may be a little, um, controversial, but pull up our big boy pants, as my dad always say, and get out there and, and start selling, you know, and even, even if we're just selling on Amazon, or even if we're just selling on eBay, or even if we go to the Chinese website and go to WeChat, um, you know, we have, we have this opportunity, we have this uh, ability as Americans to sell anywhere. And we need to be doing more of that. And I'm going to tell you right now, Rick, Chinese love American products. They don't like, they don't, that, that, this idea they don't like us or that, that's a joke. They love Coca-Cola. They love Chevy. They buy Buicks like it's crazy. Um, Hershey's is their number one chocolate brand. Um, and Dove also, Hershey's and Dove, they fight for each other. It's crazy. The number one, the number one fast food chain, KFC, right? Behind that, Pizza Hut. Behind that, McDonald's. What's going on? Why are only our corporations there, Rick? We should, I would, I would encourage anyone of your listeners, anyone, um, if I can do it, and I didn't speak the languages, I didn't know anything, I didn't even like Chinese food. If I can go out and make serious money in China, anyone can, literally anyone can. You know, you, know, you, you make an excellent point. We're kind of winding down this second segment, and I hope you can stick around and we can, because we definitely want to talk about what's going on there at the McNair Center, as well as a new program you're going to be offering right here on the weekly business hour. But you know, one thing you, you said, uh, and, and I see that it's the risk avert, uh, averse attitude that a lot of younger people have today in this country. I have no experience in China, that's full disclosure, but I see uh, younger people, particularly in their twenties, maybe early thirties, uh, they don't want to, uh, to be involved. They don't want to be in business for themselves necessarily. Uh, and if they are, they just want to keep it kind of local, small, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because when I was of age and came along and even my older sons and daughters, I mean, they they reach out and grab onto things like my grandfather did and, or, and, and my father and just, uh, you know, go anywhere and take on anything. Yeah. Any thoughts as we kind of wind down here to the second segment of the program of why that may be happening? Well, I, I've got a lot of thoughts behind it. But one of the things that, and I, I'm sure this is not going to be popular coming from the academic field, 
but we, you know, all this debt we put our kids on with school debt and high schools and all, all this debt we put on them early on in life, that's just a chain around their neck, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm not, you know, I'm not any social liberal saying we should give away everything free, but I think one of the things is, you know, if you come out of the age of 30 and you've got, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt, you're not thinking about going to China. That's an excellent point. And, uh, it's one thing I, in our family, we were blessed. Uh, only one of the children took on some debt and he paid it off as quick as he could. And that wasn't by our, I mean, he was older when he, when he went to school. Uh, so uh, we were blessed, but I saw that. Uh, very, very good point that we all need to think about, not so much from a social liberal point of view. I mean, that's there and needs to be discussed, but the fact is we're going to be risk averse because we already, we already got that big bear chasing us, right? We, We've got that debt and somehow we got to make that payment. Uh, very interesting. Patrick, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to stick around and let's do another segment or two if we want to take the whole show, as I mentioned to you, we can. Because I want to hear, I want our guests, I mean, our audience, excuse me, to hear about the McNair Center as, uh, as well as a new program you're going to be offering right here, which I'm very, very excited about. So if you have time, I'm going to take a break and I encourage the audience to please Stick around and stay with us, and we'll be right back in just a moment with the weekly business hour and our discussion and conversation with Patrick Woke. Relax with a cup of joe or your favorite drink for the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce Chamber Chat. The show airs on the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Join hosts Courtney Galley and Brian Bondi as they chat about the Chamber's events and programs for the month and invite Chamber members into the studio to talk about their upcoming events and businesses. Learn about your Chamber with Chamber Chat every first Tuesday at 11 a.m. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. God's Garage is a 501c3 that repairs and gives away cars for free to single moms, widows, and wives of deployed military. You can help God's Garage by donating a vehicle, volunteering your time, or by monetary donation. God's Garage is located at 2106 East Davis, Conroe. If you'd like to learn more about God's Garage, visit our website at godsgarage.org. Or you can contact us, and we would be glad to come and make a presentation to your group. Well, everyone, welcome back. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schisler. I'm your host. And we've been having a wonderful conversation, I believe, with Patrick Woke, who runs the McNair Center for Entrepreneurship and Free Enterprise, or I mean, that, that's just got to be amazing. I want to talk about that. Before I do, though, I want to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, that if you have a question for Patrick or myself, uh, send me an email. I get emails. I love it. It's probably, you can tell, I get animated about it. I love to receive emails with questions. That's what I'm looking for. For the guest, uh, I will forward them, or for myself, even questions just about your business, or if you have a comment about the show, everything, bring it on. Uh, just send it straight. It's very easy. Just send it to one. That's the number one. Best consult 
at gmail.com. That's one best consult at gmail.com. Well, Patrick, when we left it, we had just spent a few minutes in China talking about some differences, uh, you know, kind of where the rubber meets the road, where the real people are out there, not necessarily at the, the government level. Uh, very interesting insight, I believe you offered. But let's switch gears and let's talk about where you are today uh, there at the McNair Centers and talk about what, what's going on there, what the mission is, and what you all are trying to accomplish. Thank you very much for asking that, Rick. And I think there's a, um, we're doing a lot of very exciting things at the program uh, currently. And as you know, we, we just started, restarted the program the last year. And we are really been focused over the last year bringing the, at least the, the most important parts of the entrepreneurial process, the entrepreneurial idea process out to people initially. And then uh, from, you know, getting that out there, having them or creating a pathway, you know, like kind of, it's like you get someone excited and they come back to you, Rick, and they say, I'm excited about this idea. What do I do next, right? So you better have that next thing for them to do, right? Or they're just going to stare at you, right? So uh, one of the things that we've been working over the last year is like developing uh, pathways for students who, who want to become entrepreneurs, who want to uh, develop the entrepreneurial pathway. And as you know, probably Rick, you know, entrepreneurs come in all shapes and flavors and sizes, right? Um, some, some, they want to go off like right now. I mean, they, I think you wrote, we talked, to, we talked this a little bit back and forth in writing. Um, some don't, they don't need, they're like, I don't need an education. I don't need, you know, an MBA. I don't even need a, a degree. Let's get out, get, you know, let's get out there and do it. Right. And I'll, I'll learn as we go. Right. And, and if it, if it fails, it fails. If it works, it works. And then um, other people, they're like, they need more uh, understanding. They want more um, uh, complete knowledge of understanding of something before they'll go engage in it. Maybe because what they're trying to engage is very high tech. Maybe it's more advanced, maybe it's medical. And in some of those areas, you clearly you need more formal education before you're even allowed to be at the table. So, you know, you can understand and see why those people would need more, a higher level of education, higher level of training. Uh, and so what we, we've identified is clearly in, in our program and in the United States and in the world, there's like different levels of where people are. And so we're, we've developed a program one that one of the initial pathways is to help people who are entrepreneurs. Um, you know, they want to start now while they're in school. Uh, we, we have a program that leads them through the ideation where they're developing that idea to to testing it online, which is what they call this BTL or build, test, learn phase. And then eventually we have, a, we help them launch their product and we have, we're doing a, 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 a partnership or a group, um, a partnership right now with another entity to develop an accelerator to help accelerate their entity, to help take the next level. And so that's one pathway to probably, that someone is very dedicated, who want, they wanna do it, they know what they wanna do and they wanna do it now, right? Um, so a second pathway that, were, that came to us is other people come to us and say, look, he said, you know, uh, Dr. Wolk, Patrick, you know, um, and I even have some, I have some, some students going, hey, prof, and I was like, oh, I don't know, but hey, prof, um, you know, I want to know, I, I'm not, I want to start a business, but I don't, I want to, I want to be intrapreneur. I want to be working in a company. I'm, I'm very entrepreneurial, but I want that stability. It's okay. So we recently 
Um, we're, we're soft launching, it's not total public knowledge now, but we're soft launching a program with Houston EO, Houston Entrepreneur Organization, uh, to do an internship program for our entrepreneurs. So people who go through our entrepreneurship program who want to work side by side with an entrepreneur. And these are like common bond. These are the top companies here in Houston, fast growing companies. Companies, by the way, that we're going to be, some of them are going to be interviewing for the, for the Heart of the Hustle series. Um, so they'll be working side by side with those people so they can see how they work. So they can see how it is to work within the company and they can work hand in hand with the CEO as an entrepreneur working within a company. And that's typically the second uh, group. And then we get a third uh, person who says, I really love learning about entrepreneur, but I don't know if I really want to do it. I love the tools, you know, that because those entrepreneurial tools, you can use anywhere in life. You can use it for interviewing. You can use it for negotiating with your kids. You can use it, you can use it with, uh, uh, you're negotiating with your boss, I, by the way, you know. Um, so all of these things you can use. And so they're like, I love the tools. I want to learn the tools, right? But, you know, Professor, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to go to entrepreneur. Like, That's okay. That's okay. You know, having that understanding is extremely powerful in every walk of life, right? And you know this, Rick, in your own life, entrepreneurial skills can be applied to not only your business life, but your personal life as well when you're negotiating with your little one, or maybe you're negotiating, you know, when I'm on negotiating with my spouse, right? So all these skills are very useful. So those those are kind of the things that we've laid out. And by laying out those things and understanding how my students are, or how people, you know, how they want to live, we've developed a program around those different pathways to support those different interests, like bringing in EO, we're bringing in Shopify to help people who want to start their business immediately and bring it online, right? And then we're bringing other additional programs like this accelerator program on as a joint venture to help those people who want to start their business immediately. So we're, what we've done, Rick, is we haven't tried to just like build something and then try to sell it or like build it and they will come. We've listened to the students and like, what, what do you want to do with this knowledge? What are you going to do with it in your life? And then we've tried to set up the individual pathways for them so they can customize the, that, entrepreneur, um, that entrepreneur spirit, that entrepreneur life according to how they want to live. And so that's one of the things that I've been very excited about the program. And to be very, very clear with you, I think because University of St. Thomas, you know, we're, we're, we're not a giant university, we're, we're, we're big enough to be well-funded, but at the same time, we're small enough that we can be flexible. I think, you know, with the leadership we've had, they've allowed us to really create a great program. So I think that's, one, that's what we're doing now, um, you know, and then the next phase, we've got a couple other things we're looking at, you know, trying to bring alumni back in. Because one of the other things that happened recently, Rick, I was in conversations, you and I are having a conversation today, I was in conversations with alumni, and they, I can't tell you how many of them said to me, Rick says, I graduated three years after I graduated, all of a sudden I get the idea I want to start a business, right? And it's like, you know, and like, and I'm like, I said, man, I'd love you to come back to school, but clearly you'd be the oldest person in my class, you know, you know what I'm saying? So what we started to do is these workshops now, um, and we're looking to do a series of those workshops to bring in alumni who've already graduated and to give them those entrepreneurial educations that we're teaching at the, at the institution, um, at the center for our students. We're bringing them out to our alumni. And I think that's the, that's really shows that spirit, that entrepreneurial spirit of how we can adapt and how we can listen to our audience and give them the things that they need 
when they want it, right? Well, it sounds like you have many, many tools in your tool belt. Uh, believe it or not, we're at another break. <laughs> this goes so quickly. And it's interesting to me, and I'll make a comment, uh, and then we can take a break, uh, to our audience is that you, and I've seen this in some of the other programs around town, you're picking up all different angles, if you will, uh, to try to draw people. Uh, your most recent example was, you know, alumni, but to draw them into entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and have an understanding of it. And uh, I, I have to chuckle, though, because when you when I sent that topic to you and you said, well, that's a tricky question. Well, you've got it covered. There's no doubt about it. Y'all are in the process of getting uh, a lot of different angles of attracting people and giving them the information and education they need uh, to be successful. But as I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're to the end of another segment. Uh, Dr. Wolk will be back with us. We're going to uh, complete this uh, discussion today. And uh, most importantly, we're going to talk about this new program uh, that he alluded to just a moment ago. So I ask you once again, please stay with us and we'll be right back with you. Did you know that one out of every 2,000 girls born in the U.S. have Turner Syndrome? Turner Syndrome is the second most common genetic disorder. Symptoms include heart defects, kidney, liver, and thyroid issues, hearing loss, and infertility. Medical advances are being made, but the problem is that most girls are not diagnosed until their teens. Leaping Butterfly Ministry is a Christian-based organization dedicated to raising awareness and money for research. Go to leapingbutterfly.org. Find out how you can help. What can the Better Living for Texans program do for you? You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Hey y'all, it's DJ Mike from Dan Simon, Texas. Join me Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. as I count down the top 10 Texas Red Dirt songs that are packing the dance floor. I'll be featuring local artists and the story behind the hits, shows in the area, as well as new songs that make you want to dance. It's Dance Diamond, Texas with DJ Mike on Lone Star Community Radio, 104.5 KCZW and 106.1 KZCC, Conroe, Texas, or online, IRLoneStar.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You've been watching and listening uh, to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schistler. I'm your host. And we've been having a great conversation. I've gone from wonderful to great now. Patrick, uh, Dr. Patrick Woke has joined us. Patrick is the director of the McNair Center for Entrepreneurship and Free Enterprise, uh, which covers, as we discussed in our last segment, a lot of different ground, a lot of different approaches to entrepreneurship and trying to have really cast a big net and, and give people an opportunity uh, depending on their situation to and where they are uh, in their career and life to uh, to become an entrepreneur and learn more about it if nothing else. So Patrick, uh, when we started the show, I, I kind of made a little joke or uh, funny about uh, part of your introduction. Uh, you It was the first thing on the information you sent me it said that you consider yourself a passionate, which I think most of us understand passionate, mm -hmm. serial strategic entrepreneur. So 
I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been told by others. I had never even thought about it until several years ago. Somebody pointed it out to me. But serial strategic, strategic uh, intrigues me. What does that mean? Well, that's a very good question. And I, it, it came to, um, I, I came to kind of a, an epiphany uh, earlier on in my serial entrepreneur uh, career is um, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs, they um, are what they call industrial in industry entrepreneurs, or maybe they branch off into similar industries where they were. And uh, one of my friends said to me, he goes, Patrick, do you start up an industry that they don't make any sense? You know, like you'll be in insurance one year and the next you'll be in sports management. He says, where's the, you know, where's the relationship? Where, where's the crossover? You know, how do you bring your clients over from insurance to sports management? I said, you don't, right? He says, well, there's no synergies there. He says, I know, isn't it fun? He says, what? <laughs> so a lot of the time when we engage in business, not a lot of time, but a fair amount, let's say it that way. Um, a lot entrepreneurs, will, when they engage after their first business, they'll engage into similar businesses uh, following, or maybe they'll go into like real estate or things that are more, um, I don't want to say substantial, but maybe less risk. Okay. Um, so because they have money now and they don't want to lose it for like a better word. Uh, and those who continue to be on serial entrepreneurs, as I said, will go into similar or like industries. I've always been a person that when I see an opportunity in a market and I fleshed it out, I've, I've done the interview process. I've kind of done like a, an MVP and kind of interview people. Um, I go after it and, you know, it can be anything from like water recycling, which I did to animal husbandry to, to, um, uh, I, I did, I had a software uh, outsourcing company at one time. Uh, and, you know, if you look at the industries that I've been in or jumped from one to another, you'd be like, this isn't, you know, how, you know, either someone doesn't understand what, how business is done or, you know, this is not the same person. Uh, but I, I've always been a person, once I see an opportunity, I know how to, I, I have a strong feeling I know how to exploit it. And that's always been my, my secret sauce is the ability to know how to take um, an industry or an opportunity and then bring in disparate groups, bring in the knowledge people in that industry, bring in the people who do things in the industry, bring in the salespeople, and then go after that opportunity. I've never been the smartest person in the room. In fact, I'm probably, Rick, you know, I'm probably the least smartest person in the room, okay? But I know how to look at all the pieces and bring them together. And so um, I, that's what I consider strategic. I don't really know a lot about the, to be very frank with you, I don't know a lot about the industries I've been in, but I know how to bring the pieces together to take advantage of opportunities in those industries that I do see available. I'll give you one example, just to give you some meat on the bone. Okay. Um, I was in China and one of the things that was apparent, and I think this was in 2007, is water rates were really cheap in China. I mean, when I mean cheap, I mean, some of the cheapest in the world, okay? Now, someone's got to, you know, I know a little bit about market economics, okay? But you have the largest population in the world. And to be also frank with you, when the, they actually have one of the least amount of water per capita in the world. So huge population, very little water. And the rate that they're charging 
is the one of the lowest. Does that make any economic sense in the world? And so I'm looking at it and looking at it and, and, and I, I go to my friend and I said, this doesn't make any sense. So I go down to this guy I know at the water, at, at one of the plants doing the um, cleaning of the water. I can't remember the name of it, cleaning of the water. Um, and I said, you know, how do you guys make money? He says, we don't make any money. We're owned by the government. He says, but how do you fill the demand for water? And he says, Patrick, to be very frank with you, we're running, we're running out of water. What? We're running out of water. And so I'm like, as soon as I heard this, I go to my friend who we, we managed some capital. I said, I want to start a water recycling camp, uh, company in China. He says, Patrick, you don't know understand anything about water recycling. He says, but I understand one thing. People need water and we're running out. And that was it. And we built a, a million dollar company from that. So yeah, that's a wonderful example. And I hope it encourages some of the listeners uh, about future. But I also think you can apply that within your own business today to look at that. You know, when I, I was a serial entrepreneur, as I represented earlier, I had five separate different businesses when I left the family business and uh, there really wasn't a connection other than the fact that I developed an expertise in the, what I call the admin part of business. And I was trained in the family business that you made money in the admin side of the business. Okay. You didn't go out and seek revenue, but we separated that out. We had cost, we knew. So the insurance, you know, the, the taxes, the legal, all those different things. Uh, we even made money from social security. I mean, it was, it was interesting. We got a big refund, but you always were looking way to, uh, ways to be more efficient and also for the opportunity to maximize the dollar you spend. I mean, it's part of any expense side of a business. So that was the common denominator. Me was to find an industry or business that uh, was losing a lot of money or losing money or as, uh, my dad used to say going down the drain, uh, you know, and so, uh, but in a similar way, that was strategic course. I looked at the overall industry and looked at potential growth and, and so on and so forth and had some other ideas that I always evaluated opportunities. But I think you make a good point that if somebody gets into the entrepreneurship mindset and starts and then wants to move on to something else, and we all know people, I'm sure you know a lot of people and what you do, but I've had friends and others that I've met along the way that, that they never wanted one business. My grandfather was a great example. He was in multiple businesses, not at the same time. He just kept moving forward because he had a belief in the economy and the, uh, you know, after the depression grew and he just wrote it up. Uh, very interesting. And there were a lot of people in America who did that at that time. So uh, very interesting. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left or actually five, six minutes total. I want to talk about the hustle, uh, as I've called it in, in my own uh, work here. Uh, I just think this is the most intriguing idea uh, is about the heart of the hustle, which is an aim I think you developed. Uh, and I want our listeners to know that uh, Dr. Woke is going to provided with some programming on future shows. And I want you to introduce it if you would, Patrick, and talk about it and uh, let people know what uh, kind of information uh, it's gonna have so that they'll be sure, I hope, to uh, 
check it out. And as they see it posted in, in our marketing and advertising, they'll make a special point to listen uh, to it. So the floor is yours. Tell us about the heart of the hustle. Thank, thank you, Rick. Uh, and uh, I just want to mention that the heart of the hustle really came to me. Uh, you know, we and I were discussing uh, about creating great programming and how can we take a lot of the, this knowledge that's out there. And I, what I like, you know, there's a lot of, you go on the internet, there's a lot of knowledge, okay? But I always think the most valuable knowledge is the one that's local because that's stuff that you can use, right? And I was thinking there's a lot of great firms out there. Uh, and I mean, young developing firms, not like giant corporations. I mean, I'm talking about companies that are a million, 2 million, 10 million, 15 million, but they're in that growth trajectory. You know, we've all been in that growth tra trajectory. And some of us, you know, as we get a little older, where we got, got the family business, whatever, we want to we find a way to get back on that growth tra tra trajectory. So I was thinking it'd be great to go on an interview because I think all those bigger companies, they got all the interviews that they want. But these young, uh, dynamic companies that are doing things right, Rick, that are, you know, um, you know they're, they're doing it with very little budget. They're doing it with gumption and they're doing it with all the things that, that anyone that you, all the things that you and I have. And I was thinking these people, not only they have ability, they have the, the spirit, not only they have local knowledge that we can use, but they're, they're willing to share their stories. They're willing to share how they got there and they're willing to help others to, to raise those, raise those waters up. So all boats, uh, get up, get up higher. And what I would say is that was a great thing because I've talked to three or four of them. They're all, they're all excited about it because they really do want to share. They want to, they want to empower others to do the things that they're doing. And so that's, that's brilliant. And, you know, like all entrepreneurs and you know, this Rick, they all like to tell about their success stories. They all like to talk about how great they're doing. But then I turned to them and said, you know, tell me about the things that you don't want to talk about. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, you know, uh, the divorce you just had or the bankruptcy you had before, or maybe, you know, the things that you may have lost. I had one fellow, and this is a very unfortunate situation, Rick, but he lost his father when he was younger. And that was kind of, to be very frank with you, that was kind of the fuel that fired him in his later life. And I thought, you know, it's great that they're sharing the knowledge, getting inspiring people, but I think it'd also be great to show the heart you know, because we all go through tough times. We all go through things that, that hurt us and cause us great suffering. And that's what the Lord, you know, helps us through that. But at the same time, that inspired us, that drove us to the, to the extent that where we are today, that made us the entrepreneur we are today. Well, I think you really hit a nail on the head, so to speak, with the passion in the heart, uh, because I talk to a lot of folks that want to start businesses. It's something I enjoy doing and I'll give them an hour and over half of them, I encourage them not to, not so much for their idea. Yes, sometimes the idea, but sometimes they just don't show the real passion and heart. It just doesn't fit them at that point in their life. And I try to look at that. And I think that is so crucial. Uh, it is, uh, you know, the story you mentioned, sleeping in the office for three or four months, you know, uh, we always love to hear Bill Gates started out and he was sleeping under the desk, right? Or something, uh, one of those myths you hear, but 
the point is that they're going to be challenging times if you're in business for yourself. And particularly in the beginning, hopefully you do well and it smooths out a little bit. There's still going to be challenges. Uh, there are COVIDs, there are freezes, there's all kinds of things. And when it's yours and you're the guy at the top and the buck stops on your desk, but you got to have that, that ability, that heart and passion to, in my opinion, carry you over those things. So I'm looking forward to the stories. Uh, when do you think we'll have our first story? I think uh, I know with the scheduling and such, you and I will probably sit down and talk with it. I'd like to uh, do our first um, recording by the end of uh, this month, probably probably month at the beginning. So maybe one month from now, I think would be a good um, path if we could say it. So okay. I think you know we can discuss a little further, but I, I would I would look us to give us one month just so we have scheduling down and so we have all the other things uh, set. And it and I think also Rick, it's you know, as you know, it's always good to have that great first story when you begin a, a segment. So I want to I want to get a real good one for us. So well, that's great. It sounds like May is is a target at this point. We've got a great series planned in May uh, and talking about exit and exit strategies. We've been doing that for the first part of the year and different perspectives of how important that is in building a business to have that exit uh, somewhat figured out in the beginning. So this will be great. So folks, be sure you're listening, watching uh, for the announcement, the heart of the hustle. Uh, Dr. Patrick Woke is gonna introduce you to some successful uh, entrepreneurs uh, that'll be people just like you when they start out. So I think it's wonderful. Patrick, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. If folks would like to reach out to you to find out more about your programs there at the McNair Centers or uh, perhaps ask a question, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, thanks for asking that, Rick. I think the easiest way is by email. Uh, my email is woke, W-O-O-C-K-P at stthom.edu. St. Tom is S-T-T-H-O-M dot E-D-U feel free to write me I'm more than happy. I'm always available. I have people, you know, writing me about, you know, asking me questions about entrepreneurship, asking me about starting a business, asking about succession. We were, you and I were talking about that at one time. So any business question, small or large, I'm more than happy to help out. And I'm also a SCORE member. So if you need a mentor, if you're looking for something either with SCORE or with SPDC, I'm more than happy to direct you to the right people. Well, thank you for making that offer. And I think that's a great point to, to make. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for, for being with us today and listening uh, to this discussion or conversation with an expert, as I like to call folks like Dr. Woke, and uh, look forward to the heart of the hustle.